first time listening to She Is Becoming, welcome to the show. We are a podcast of multi-generational women studying God's word together, dedicated to being transformed by the renewing of our minds. You can find our episodes on all the major podcast platforms and on the Minnesota Grace Church app and website. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so that you can receive notifications when we post a new episode. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at She Is Becoming Podcast so we can engage with you and pray over you. Well, I am your co-host Delaney. I am here in the studio with my co-host Bev for our very, very special signature question, which is Bev, how has God been speaking to you lately? Well, I think one word kind of sums it up, rest. Mm, That's a hard one. Yeah, I am a doer, and that does not mean I am doing the most important things first. Hmm. That's the problem with that. Also, that rest is not a sin. God's been teaching me it's not a sin. Rather, it's a divine gift from the Lord for our well-being and our relationship with Him. Mm-hmm. So what I really need, and I think many need the same thing, is we need unhurried time to really hear him speak to us and to soak in his word and prayer. So let's now, Delaney, turn our attention away from where I've been with my rest and turn it towards a woman who was in a desperate situation, was certainly not at rest. And we can learn some very valuable lessons from her. First of all, a core part of what validates us as people is to be seen. Isn't that true? Yeah. I don't think you realize it until you feel not seen. (laughs) How important it is, actually. True, true. I just know when I walk into a big, large crowd, you just, how you feel invisible, don't you? Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can feel invisible with even a group of your friends. Like everybody's having a great time and you just feel kind of on the outside, Mm -hmm. not unusual. There's something unique that happens when someone sees us, who we are, what we love, what drives us. Being seen is really something God has created in us, this desire to be seen by him, first of all. That's Mm -hmm. what we're really longing for. So maybe you are listening and you felt dismissed, you have felt overlooked, or just you feel like nobody gets you. Mm -hmm. Knowing that you have a God who sees you fills all of those kinds of voids. So today we're going to look at a story in the Bible where God sees a woman in distress. We're going to dive deeper into what God seeing us means and how it plays out in our lives. Yeah. So Delaney, tell us the story. Well, I was actually just thinking as you were saying, like God has created in us a desire to be seen. It's so interesting because I'm like all of these like core parts of who we are that we um, need to feel loved, that we need to feel seen, that we need to all, like feel all those things are all characteristics of who God is. So I'm like, could that point to a creator? Like, could anything point to a creator more than that? True. Like he actually is love. He actually is like the God who sees. And I'm like, and then all of us, we need that. So I'm like, this just points to him. It's just cool. And our need for a relationship. I mean, yeah. a real relationship, yeah. not just head knowledge. Yeah. It's so cool. Um, so yeah, we, um, actually I've been, as I've been writing this episode and just studying, um, this chapter, um, in the Bible, I have really been coming from a place where knowing that God sees me has gotten through, gotten me through like a really hard season of my life. Um, this has just been where I've been studying for probably weeks is just Genesis 15. And so God brought the story of Hagar 
to my mind and I, I really want us to study her story today in Genesis 16, sorry, not 15, and to understand Hagar's story, it actually begins with Sarah and Abraham. And so it's just some context. In Genesis 15, there is an exchange between God and Abram, and Abram and his wife Sarai can't have children, and Abram cries out to the Lord about not having an heir. And God promises Abram that he will have an heir from his own body and that his descendants will be as numerous as the stars. I think we can all remember that promise in the Bible. And so this is like a huge promise. It would have required deep faith in the Lord because God was promising something supernatural, a child for a couple who can't have children. And we're elderly. <laughs> yeah. There, and there were lots of levels to this that um, I think if you if you read the chapter you'll be able to see but there's lots of levels to it and when God promises something supernatural it's impossible for it to be fulfilled without him it really is and so all of Genesis 16 now reeks of desperation I read it and just was like man this everyone's desperate here and so undoubtedly Sarai was in a desperate soul crippling place not able to have a child after so many years and I'm just sure her pain was just crippling and um, at times unbearable and overwhelming. And yet instead of allowing her pain to push her to trusting the Lord, she takes matters into her own hands. Typical. As we do. We do. We do. I'm just thinking, you know, Sarah in a culture like this would be uh, really shamed and um, that you couldn't provide an heir in your family was a shameful thing. Yeah. So it was a really shaming culture, especially when it came to childbearing. So think about that, all those years of being under that shame and embarrassment, really, um, of not being able to provide an heir. So she puts it into her own hands. You know, it it's like, I've hands. had enough. I I can, God, I, I've got a solution for this and just charge ahead. Yeah. And and, I, or we, tell God to bless my solution, right? Yeah, that's what we do. And we're like, okay, well, um, God, forgive me later. I'm just going to go ahead and do this. Yes. <laughs> Definitely, we all do that. So um, Sarah, I recognize too, it's interesting about this, that God was sovereignly, sovereignly in control of her room. We see that in verse 20. And she still decided to take control of a situation that God was in control over. So Sarah had her husband lay with her handmaid, Hagar, so she could have offspring. This was a custom in the day that when the woman of the household was unable to bear children and produce an heir, that their servants would carry out the task. Um, obviously, this feels a little like an surrogate. extreme. Yeah, it, it's a surrogate. It's well, and it's kind of like forceful adoption. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's just yeah. it's complicated when you start messing with relationships like that. It gets very complicated. And it's extreme. Two wives now. Well, I don't know if she would have been considered a well wife. concubine. Yeah, and she was just it, she was used. Mm-hmm. She was being used for mm-hmm. her womb. Um, and so really, too, something you can see in this, too, that Abram's lack of leadership as the head is apparent here as he agrees to this sin, even though God had promised to provide another way. So sin was conceived that day out of a lack of trusting God. Abram's lack of headship also would have created great strain on his relationship with his wife, obviously. obviously. He stepped outside of God's design for covenantal marriage by committing adultery, even though it was Sarai's idea. Um, and so not only did Abram and Sarai create this mess, which was really an abuse of power over their slave Hagar, Sarai then despised Hagar for it. So she makes this mess. Hagar gets pregnant and then Sarah hates Hagar. Mm-hmm. Just and then and then another bad leadership moment from Abram as he allows this to happen. We see this in verse six. 
And so in Genesis 16, 6, it says that Sarai treated pregnant Hagar really harshly. Due to this pervasive abuse, Hagar fled. And this is what sin produces, hatred and lack of trust in the Lord. Hagar fled into the wilderness, um, probably fearful for her life, for the abuse to be so bad that she would not that she would have to flee and be completely alone in the wilderness, I think really tells us a lot. It does. Tells us a lot. And she was probably headed back to Egypt. She was an Egyptian woman. Mm -hmm. And so just that whole situation that she would have been in that desperate of a place where she's like, I'm going to go by myself. Yeah, I'm running away like a child, running away from home. Yeah, like Mm -hmm. that. It tells you a lot. And so in this desperate, messy, I'm sure lonely place, God sends an angel And this is the first time in scripture that we see an angel of the Lord appear to someone. Hmm. And it wasn't someone that you might have expected. Hagar was a slave, a single mom, really, with no means or reputation and an Egyptian, an outsider. But God saw the situation she was in and intervened. Psalm 118 tells us that one of the ways God shows us his loving kindness or his steadfast love is by sending us help. And that is exactly what God was communicating to Hagar. The angel of the Lord tells Hagar to return to her mistress, Sarai, and to submit for her, submit to her. That's verse nine. When I read that, I, I was kind of confused because I'm like, God wouldn't ask us to return to an abusive situation. Question. That is a good question. It's a good a question. place to stop. What? Why? What? What, what does that mm-hmm. mean? Um, and... So also we see the word submit is used, which means that Hagar's own sin of pride was being revealed. There's a reason that it was the word submit that was used here. And so um, also what we see is that there is an implied promise of protection to obey God and he will take care of her. And we see this promise fulfilled actually in verses 10 through 11. Um, And so what happens is God promises her so many descendants you couldn't count them if you tried and so the many descendants are today known as the modern day arab people so there is an implied promise of protection to obey god and he will take care of her and we see this promise fulfilled in verses 10 through 11 god first promises her so many descendants that you couldn't count them if you tried and the many descendants are actually known in the modern day as the arab people He promises her a son named Ishmael, which means because the Lord has heard your affliction. And God actually chose this name because God had a plan for Ishmael. And we see that like as the angel speaks to Hagar. God also had a plan for Abram, Sarai, and Hagar that they couldn't have rectified or fulfilled without God redeeming the situation. God also revealed a part of his nature to Hagar. He says that he is the God who sees. He says, the God who sees me. And God saw Hagar in her desperate and lonely place, and he provided a way out for her. In those Which days, wasn't easy, no. by the way. Yeah. Sometimes we think the way of escape is going to be a pass on any kind of suffering or affliction. Yeah. Well, she had to walk back into a difficult situation. A messy situation. And, but that was God's will for her. Yeah. And sometimes we're asked to do that, too. Mm-hmm. A marriage that's really stressed, mm-hmm. uh, a particular incident with a child. We want to, like Hagar, run away. We don't want to go back and yeah. face it. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a walk back into abuse. It was a walk back in protected. And submit. And And obviously she was not submitting. She was being proud and perhaps 
um, putting herself above her mistress, which really was not her place. Absolutely. And so also in the Husay, we know that having a son would have meant protection for her. Um, women couldn't own property or make a living in the same way that men could. And so God's promise for Hagar really was vast here. Although God's hand had been on Ishmael and would continue to be, the angel says that Ishmael would be a wild donkey of a man. Okay. <laughs> okay. Ooh. Yeah, that's not great. And there would be violence surrounding him. We see that in verse 12. And so this is a direct result of sin. These are some of the consequences that we see of Abram and Sarah and, and all of their sin, really. And so after the angel of the Lord gives Hagar all these promises, she said, you are the God who sees me, for I have seen the one who sees me. That is just so profound to me that you see the one that already sees you and knows you and isn't there just such freedom in being seen Mm. the freedom in being seen comes from seeing the one who freed you hagar saw god and the implication is that she would have received the freedom of salvation hagar could have worshiped god for the promises he gave her but instead She worships God because she convened with him in his presence, which means she sat with him in his presence. She got to know him. She was able to experience his presence. So she didn't just praise him for the things he gave her. She praised him for who he was. Yeah. And, you know, she would have had some testimony with Abraham and Sarai in their home of Mm -hmm. God. So this was not completely foreign to her. Um, she she seems to recognize God's voice and, yes. and have some degree of knowledge uh, preceding this bold step of faith that she takes when she goes back to her mistress. Yeah, absolutely. So I think there are a couple of things that we can learn from Hagar. First is that God hears what no one hears. God sees what no one sees. And he loves us anyway. He intervenes in our life anyway. And not only does he hear you and see you, he protects you. He promises things to you. He gives you a purpose in the midst of the storm, the desperation, the trial. And so encountering God, we see through Hagar's encounter of God, we see a couple things. First, he reveals sin, Hagar's pride, Abram and Sarai's sin. And he also reveals who he is. He reveals his promises. He reveals his heart for you. He reveals his plans, and he also reveals the consequences of sin. And so when we encounter God, sometimes we don't experience all of these things at once. But the more that you are in a relationship with the Lord, you will experience different things at different times. Like I know that there has been times where I'm like, God has revealed my sin to me, but he's also shown me in great ways who he is in the same experience. Mm -hmm. And so I think that we can see all of those things that encountering God can do all of those things. So we just really learn a lot from just that story of Hagar and also how God, God reveals a part of himself, which is just so cool. It is. It's a, it's a wonderful fact to know that God sees us. Well, we have another uh, incident with Hagar in Genesis. This one's in chapter 21, where we find Hagar now being sent away. Um, and here's the situation. It's a day of celebration. After Isaac was born to Sarah and Abraham, remember, this is the miracle child, the child of the covenant. Um, it's said that Sarah observed the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, mocking Isaac. So do you get that son of the Egyptian mocking Isaac? In other words, this foreign child, it was mocking their child of both of their bodies. So Sarah tells Abraham that the son of the slave woman, again, the the verbiage here on who Hagar is, is very um, 
degrading, really. Mm -hmm. The son of the slave woman would not share in the inheritance of her son. Now, Abraham is super distressed about this. Obviously, he had bonded with this young son, and but God speaks to him, telling him that he will make Ishmael into a great nation because he is Abraham's son. So God has promised uh, Abraham that his son has a future and God has it planned. And that would give you a great sense of relief for him, yeah. I'm sure, in this situation. And probably one of the reasons that God had Hagar come back to the situation is because Hagar's son's dad was there. Right. And so there wasn't like a lack of like responsibility that God allowed on Abram's part to not take responsibility for his son. Yes. And so he would have been there for those young years for sure. God also tells Abraham at this time when he's pining over the situation between these two boys and two two women, he it, God tells him also to listen to Sarah and do what she tells you. Hello, here's a switch. God telling a husband to listen to their wife. Yeah. I kind of love it. Same, here for it, for sure. But a truth is this. We are couples and a unit, and we need each other. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I just don't think of something, and Paul will think of it, and I'll go, why didn't I think of that? And then sometimes I'll think of something or do something, and we're just, we're better together and stronger together. Sometimes God reveals something to me that, like, my husband doesn't see. Right, right, and vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. Vice versa. So anyway, but this was, you can prove it here in a text, ladies. Uh, The very next morning, (laughs) Abraham gives Hagar a few supplies, and he sends Hagar and Ishmael away, and they go into the desert. Now, it was a very hostile environment they were in, and her water is going to soon run out. And Hagar, again, running away, puts her son under a bush and goes, runs away and, and just starts sobbing. She didn't want to watch her son die. So Hagar, again, running away from the pain, yet God meets Hagar once again in this running away, desperate need type of a situation. Listen to Genesis 21, verses 17 through 20 here. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do you not do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Again, he's so patient to reassure us of his promises. Mm -hmm. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. So that is kind of the follow-up story, another picture of Hagar running, and how God again met her. Hagar did what a lot of us want to do or do when we're suffering, run. Mm -hmm. We're looking for escapes, whether it's actually leaving the situation and running away physically, or if it's like, zoning out on tv distracting ourselves distracting yourself eating too much Mm -hmm. um go shopping you know whatever it is i do both i do both of those things (laughs) sorry to bring it up i watch tv and i online shop i know i know well we got to be careful of those kinds of activities because they can be looking it can be running running from your situation Mm -hmm. running from god running from from something too difficult to Mm -hmm. deal with you know it's it is hard to stay and focus and work on difficult issues. But is God asking you today to face your problems with his health, with his help? Do you believe God can provide for you in your situation as he so faithfully did Hagar? 
you know, someone has said, and you've probably heard this quote, Delaney, run to God with your problems, not away from him. Yeah. But our our fleshly tendencies so often is to run from him. It is. I think Tom. But he found her. <laughs> well, he'll chase you. That's, yes. that's also a word. But I do feel like sometimes we do that because it's like, sometimes we feel like the truth is too hard. Like I felt like this, like if I am in God's presence, then it's just going to hurt so bad. And so I run instead of leaning into it, instead of allowing my pain to help me trust the Lord on a deep, in a deeper way with more intimacy in him, I try to run away. Yeah. Yeah. It's human nature. And look at Adam and Eve, you know, they sinned, And what did they do? Hide. Yeah. They ran away. They ran away. They ran away from God. Mm -hmm. Because inside we know God is holy. And when we have sinned and when we're in a difficult situation, if we don't really trust God 100%, we're going to run. You know, there's another uh, wonderful passage in the Bible that talks about how God sees us. And that's from Psalm 139. It's read it in its entirety. I'm just going to read a couple verses here. You have searched me, Lord. You know me. You know me when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before me, and you lay your hand upon me. What a picture this is of how God sees us. From the very conception of our being, Mm -hmm. he's aware of all that we're doing. Before we were born, where we are going, before we speak, he, he hems us in behind and before us, and his hand is upon us. Can I tell you how many times I I go to that verse? He hymns me in. He's got me here. Mm. He's before me and behind me. And I think God was trying to reassure Hagar. And don't run. I've got you. I'm before you. I'm behind you. I've got these promises ahead for you. I'm behind you. I'm with you now here. And here's water for the immediate. And then this chapter goes on. Psalm 139 tells us that we can go nowhere that God does not see and guide us. Mm -hmm. We have been created by God in our mother's womb. He knows us deeper than any person because he is our creator. Nothing in our lives escapes him. True in Hagar's life, that's true in ours as well. So what about like just hearing you say all this? First of all, I love that him me in. Like Mm -hmm. that is so beautiful. And that not only God I too, I think, okay, we're saying that God sees us. It really means that he intimately knows us. He sees the depths of our soul. Better than we know ourselves. Better than we know ourselves. He sees the all the ick and he sees everything and he still loves us. But what about you, Bev? Like, have you maybe experienced a time where you felt overlooked, maybe invisible? Like, how did God respond to you? Uh, yes, I did. I felt overlooked when I was growing up. I had two older brothers and a younger brother, and I remember hearing my parents say, call them our boys, and I was never included in on that. Mm. The boys were always given all the attention in the family. They were given new cars, and I bought mine, my 64 Chevy, I'm dating myself now, (laughs) on a waitress salary. Mm. Bought all my own clothes. I was very independent, even in high school. I also have, throughout my life, felt overlooked because of my own insecurities, that I was less than others. Mm-hmm. And so when you're insecure, you you feel overlooked even more. Yeah. And that's that's really a bad thing. Now, as I've gotten older, I've, I've hopefully grown beyond that a little bit. But I'm, I know that I can fall back into my insecurities if I'm not uh, aware of them. Yeah. And I love, too, how, like, this narrative is, like, such a sweet... Uh, God shows who he is in just such a sweet way to a woman. Yeah. 
Yes. It's so like... We want to be seen. We want to be understood. We want someone to know where we're coming from. There's such comfort in that. I mean, friends can try to do that for us, but nobody can do it like the Lord does. Nobody. Nobody. When I have been suffering the most and I just hang in God's presence and just sit there and just don't speak. Just let him minister to me. He'll start bringing scripture to mind. Mm-hmm. He, he will just show me his love. And nothing, nothing um, comforts me more when I know I'm in the presence of the Lord. Mm-hmm. If I go a day without really getting into his presence, I am weaker for it. Mm-hmm. So well, I mean, so important. Well, I'm glad you brought that up too, because I'm like, we have to stop going to other people to fulfill that void that we need to be seen. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to fill that. No. Maybe for a moment or a second, but it's not going to be something that's lasting and it's not going to be the way that we need it, which can only be found in the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's that insecure in our inner being that really kind of uh, draws us into wanting to be seen by people. Mm-hmm. It's more important to be seen by God. So um, I just would really want to encourage some of you sisters who just might be feeling dismissed, overlooked. Do you need to hear today? God sees you, that you are never out of the sight of the Lord, that you're not alone. Hmm. Will you look to the Lord to help you instead of running away? That's exactly where you need to be is Mm -hmm. in his presence. Will you stop right now and enter into that presence so that he can tell you, I see you. I love you. I'm going to provide for you. Remember what I've promised you. Delaney, would you just give us your final thoughts and a prayer for us as we conclude? Yeah, I don't even know if I have any thoughts. I'm just like, I just want to pray over us because I know that there's someone who's listening who feels that. I know that there is. And so the only thing we can do is just go to the Lord in prayer. So God, we just ask you for that sister who is listening, who feels overlooked, who feels invisible, who feels like nobody sees her, who feels alone, who feels like nobody hears her. I pray that right now, God, that you would just surround her. Show her who you are as the God who sees. Show her who you are as the God who hears. Show her who you are as the God who intervenes in our situation, who loves us unconditionally. Mm -hmm. I pray that right now, God, that if there is a sister who feels this and it's based off of her own insecurity, that you would also reveal that. Help her to deal with that in a healthy way by bringing it to you, by leaning into your word, by leaning into God's people, by leaning into your Holy Spirit, by going to you in prayer. We pray that you would do that, Lord, because we don't want to be caught in a situation that's not true. Um, So I pray that you would reveal that God. And lastly, I just thank you. Thank you for seeing me. Thank you for seeing us. Thank you for hearing me. Who am I that you would see me and love me and hear me? Your mercy and your goodness is just overwhelming and unbelievable, Lord. We love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Well, it was great to be with you, sisters. Join us in two Mondays on She Is Becoming.